Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Bit Spursy for another week. Uh, this week, we have a just fantastic guest on the show. Uh, I call him my podcaster, uh, and it is uh, Barty from The Extra Inch. Hi, Barty. Hello, guys. Thanks thanks for inviting me on. It's great to be here. Great to have you. And, of course, we have good old Dan. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm also here. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am still here, but you know, I can sit in the background, and, and that's fine. I think, yeah. um, look, it's, uh, yeah, it's great to have you here, Barty. Um, you know, uh, Barney and I, we both listen to Extra Inch, um, and we've been doing so for quite a while. So, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us today. No, it's a pleasure. I always like when I get invited and it's not one of the other two. Well, of course, <laughs> my good friends, my good friends, Wendy and Nathan, but yeah, I, it's all part of my, as I was saying before we started recording, it's all part of my master plan to to break out and do Mio podcast, start my own podcast <laughs> away from them. <laughs> it's um, it's wonderful. I love that Italian Italian link that you have, Barty, because so my mom is Italian. Um, my dad is English. But I've only really followed English football because mom could not care less and anyone in her family couldn't care less. So it's like whenever you speak about like Italian players or like Serie A or any of those sort of things, it's like, it just, there's something that just like tweaks in me where I'm like, oh, maybe I should, you know, pay attention a bit more and like, you know, get more into my like heritage and, and, you know, start following the league again. But, um, then I don't know, you go through the stress of like following Spurs and you're like, this is enough stress for, for a football fan for one week. Um, it's funny enough. I was just talking to the, um, the fine cock chaps before we went online and it's just like, I think supporting Italy and having that avenue to actually win some things and see some see a little bit of glory here has helped quite a bit. That because um, Spurs, you know, we'll probably get onto like the, the nuances of Spurs, but we don't we don't win a lot of things, and a lot of the time we are kind of upset that every ten or so years Italy may do something in an international tournament, and it it makes me love football again. And going into this summer, I was on such a high after winning the Euros. It was just like this season's going to be great. And then we beat Man City and I'm like, all football is fixed for now and for the rest of my life. It's all good again. I'd found that inner joy that, that I had when I was like 10 years old watching Spurs beat Arsenal in the semi-final. But yeah, nothing lasts forever and it's we're, we're back to reality now. Yeah, we certainly are. We are very much back to reality um, in the harshest way, uh, in the harshest way possible. Whenever we play West Ham, I always uh, forget, well, before we play them, I forget how much their fans hate us um, until until it starts. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, it's funny how the the rivalry re- kind of reminds me of Chelsea's rivalries where you know, I think QPR is a big rival and, and I guess Fulham to an extent. Um, but because they're both such small clubs, Chelsea doesn't really seem to care. Um, and I guess that's true of West Ham. Um, unfortunately, they did beat us. But, um, yeah, very frustrating game. I think it's a, an interesting point you make there about rivalries that Tottenham, we've always, we, we have historic rivalries, of course, with Arsenal and we, we hate Chelsea, but we've, we've always felt the kind of the lesser of the rival, especially during the 90s and more recent times with Chelsea. So when West Ham turned up and started staying in the Premier League for a certain period of time, we were like, oh, look at them. They want to be our rivals. They'd love to be, um, they'd love to use us as a measuring stick. 
And uh, yeah, they really did hate us. But now, over the last couple of years, somehow they've managed to to close the gap. But you're right, they really take a lot of joy from beating us. I was um, I was sat near the, the the Harry Winks game where he scored on his debut against um, against West Ham. I was sat really near their fans and. Yeah, they they really were giving it throughout that match and really enjoying winning, uh, being in front for most of it. But yeah, that, which made it even sweeter when when Kane won us the game. But yeah, they they really do hate us. I guess that's the thing that we sort of don't get here, being in based in Australia. Um, so you know, we don't have that many friends who follow. I was going to say niche teams, but I wouldn't call like West Ham out a niche team. But, um, you know, a lot of people here, they go for the big teams. Basically, who's winning at the time when they decide they're going to start supporting football? So you've got heaps of like Arsenal fans from back then, you know, from back sort of, you know, turn of the century. Um, a lot of Man U fans, now a lot of Chelsea fans, a lot of City fans. So it's kind of weird. Like we don't get to really, I guess, experience that sort of like intense rivalry between fans. And we're sure like a lot of the time, like, you know, nothing happens. Like when... We don't expect fights just break out in the middle of the street just if you go for a different club. But I think that's something which, um, yeah, it feels like maybe we miss from the game being over here that we don't get to really, you know, experience that match day and, um, you know, actually see what it is like to sort of be going, you know, be packed into a stadium with these rival fans. Yeah, there's, um, I wrote a few, many years ago now, I wrote for the Fighting Cock about, um, about the rivalry between Tottenham and Arsenal. I grew up in North London, NW7. So it was very, you kind of knew when it was Spurs versus Arsenal because people wore their colours and there, there wasn't really Chelsea there. The the lack of kind of TV and Sky and everything else it meant you kind of stuck with the, the, the teams that you grew up near. And I, I remember being at church on on a Sunday, and I used to occasionally when I when I had the guts, I would sneak you receive your holy communion, which was maybe sixty percent of the way through the through the mass, and then I would always try and sneak out the back. And it was FA Cup semi final day, or it was I think it was F, I think it must have been ninety three, and I was wearing my Spurs shirt going to church, which I hid under my jumper so my mum wouldn't tell me off. But anyway, I've gone out of the church, I've snuck out, I've sat down on the wall just waiting for everybody else to come out. And two Arsenal fans have just walked down the high street. They must have been, I don't know, late 20s. <laughs> They've crossed over the street to see this 12-year-old boy and just, just started swearing at me, opening their shirts, flick, giving me the, flicking me the finger, going, ah, Tottenham, you're rubbish. And uh, <laughs> that was uh, what it was like back then. These days, it's, it's so diluted with every other fan that we 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 are losing that kind of local rivalry for sure. Um, yeah, the the Manchester, the oligarchs and everything else have kind of ruined that kind of local rivalry. So I, I get what you're saying that you you don't feel it there in Australia, but in England as well. We unless it's match day and there's a high concentration of fans in one place, we we don't really feel it here either. Mm, I suppose we have such. Um different experiences you know obviously us being in Australia where we you know the games are on for us like West Ham was 2 30 in the morning sometimes they can be 3 45 um and you know watching it and seeing daylight is is pretty disorientating um but also you know we don't get that that live experience um at all like I, I mean Dan has been to Dan went to White House Lane but I, I haven't been to a game and so it's it's kind of bizarre being a, a fan of this club where, you know, because the AFL is so big here, like I've been going to the AFL since I was, you know, a little boy where you kind of have that experience. You're like touching the experience of going to a game and watching it live. 
and the only time mm-hmm. I've seen Tottenham play was in a was in a friendly here against Juventus. Um, and, and the main takeaway was that um, the the fans that were attending um, it didn't sell very well. And so when I say fans, it's very loose. Um, it was <laughs> just a bunch of people who I think must have been like given free drink cards, and it was like just this like people trying to some people trying to simulate what I imagine the experience would be in England, but, uh, most people, most people just getting really drunk. Um, but oh, that's, the- quite, that's, quite that's quite good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say right. the difference to, as far as I understand it is that you can't drink in the stands in England. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You can only drink on the, in the concourse and in the bars. Yeah. Cause here it's a free for all. It doesn't matter. Like you'll see people like walking up steps, juggling like eight pints in their hands. Um, trying to get to their seats. So I think there's a slightly different <laughs> maybe culture around that. Well, they just they just don't seem to trust football fans. Yeah, rugby fans can do it, cricket fans can do it. And I'm sure you might have seen the at the NFL game at White Hart Lane the other day, there was they they could do it as well. And they started throwing some plastic cups around and people were using that. That's that's why football fans can't have beer in the stadium. Uh I, I I'm not sure what why the rule is there, but it, it it's a, in one way it's annoying, but in another way I could kind of see the benefits of it because it you, it could get a bit messy, and you definitely have to have splash zones and non-splash zones kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, buddy, I know you've already spoken about uh the West Ham game on extra inch, um, but we might just uh, go through the key points. I I wonder, um, having listened to half of of that episode just before doing this doing this one. You were uh, very sort of uh, positive, and Windy was <laughs> very negative, <laughs> uh, which was s- such a uh, fascinating thing to listen to. Um, so, you, <laughs> how do you, how do you feel uh, post game now that it's been a couple of days? Well, the thing is, on the extra inch, we have to cover all our bases, so um, <laughs> we we have a little debrief. Who's going to be positive this week? But to be honest with you, I do I do try and take some positivity from from Spurs. I spent so much of my life watching Spurs, thinking about Spurs and talking about them that I I just I can't sit down for one hour and, and then just pile into them and just say bad things. So if there is some positives there, I will try and find them. And you know, Nuno said after the game that we, we played quite well, but we lost one nil. And there is some kind of truth in that, that we seem to have at least have found a a back five that works for us. That back four looks reasonably solid now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Dyer, but I think he he works quite nicely alongside Romero. And I, I do think Skip offers us some balance in midfield. Where the problems are is the the our attacking movements and how how we approach at the attacking phase of the game. Nathan did a really nice video on on Reddit, and for him it's a pretty short one. It's only three three minutes forty five seconds. So I recommend people go and check that out. And it's Tottenham's three methods of attacking the team. And West Ham, even though they they had a Euro, Europa League game midweek, were able to cut off those uh, those passing lanes, and then we looked a little bit toothless. And West Ham pretty much were happy just to wait for us to to make the first mistake, which we ended up doing. I feel like I I love Nathan's videos. Sometimes I'm scared to watch them because I don't want them to like reveal like an ugly truth that I don't want to accept. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's been it's been interesting watching this game. Like even thinking back to the game now, like I think it's like personally when I watch a game, like I don't really get too like analytical in terms of like, you know, statistics and that sort of stuff and 
Um, I couldn't really explain XG to you in a very like, you know, nice sort of concise manner and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, there's like, there's certain games like this where I kind of watch them and I'm like, I just don't know exactly what is not working for us, but it's just really not. It's like something's off. We're really struggling. Um, and it just seems like we're so up and down at the moment. Like we'll get some really positive results and then, um, I understand as well. It's like, you know, we've got a, a you know, new manager and there's consistency, but yeah, it's maybe I feel like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, avoid confronting the truth that um, maybe this is just how it will be. Yeah, I think I think to, this Tottenham team, how it's set up, we we love chaos. If we if we play against a team that embraces the chaos theory, we will we will do okay, and we'll probably beat them. Um, but when we come up against a team that forces us to think about how we're going to attack and how we're going to break them down, that's what that's when we'll struggle. Um, we learned a lot from the Arsenal match. We we were way too open, so we've kind of closed up the midfield since then. But Villa were the perfect opponents for us, and Newcastle were the perfect opponents for anybody at the moment. So um, West Ham, they, the Rice and Suchek are pretty disciplined. Their forward line are pretty disciplined, and they did a number on us. And we had the the concerning thing is Nuno had no way or no idea on how to change it and how to alter the course of the game. West Ham didn't score a last minute winner. It was there was still plenty of time left in the in the match, and we didn't make any substitutions until the final six seven minutes and. That for me is is the is the biggest war is the biggest red flag on, on Nuno's um, managerial time at the moment. Yeah, I, I you know obviously Pochettino uh, wasn't the greatest uh, in game manager with his subs, but you know one thing that he used to do that was like very simple and sometimes very effective, you know, was just swapping the wings over and just having a different player go up against a different player and, and you know they if they carry their roles with them or whether they they then swap roles like there was at least something that that he could do very quickly to see you know a small change and see if it would work whether to me this game it was just it became almost avb like in the sense that they were just sat you know back in their in their box and we were just sort of passing and no one's really moving and it was just so static um yeah i i agree i just i found it very like i don't mind losing but i found it very disheartening the way or rather the way we couldn't get anywhere near taking a shot in the second half. Yeah. It was just all a bit tepid, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was just, yeah, it was just a horrible milky tea. There wasn't just, there wasn't much bite to it. And um, I, I like position. I, I'm full, I'm fully on board with us keeping the ball and trying to move it around. But West Ham, they, they engaged us by not engaging us and, made us think about what we were doing. I, I do think in a game like that, we needed to change something up, perhaps moving out Lucas for Lo Celso or, or maybe even swapping Sun for, for Brian Hill, trying something different. And it, it was the repetition of doing of repeating something that wasn't working. That's, that's a huge worry. Yeah, I think it's, you know, if we're trying things out and they don't work, I'd much rather that. Like, I'd much rather we make a few subs and then we end up losing 3-0 um, rather than... And, you know, or just make some tactical sort of changes and then have that result rather than just kind of going along and just hoping for the best, like hoping that Son will pull something out or Kane or something like that. And, you know, hoping we'll have a moment of brilliance, which kind of gets the game. um, I mean, well, in this case, back to a draw, but um, sort of going Mm -hmm. in our favor. But yeah, I think that's probably the, that's maybe the thing when, you know, it becomes a little bit boring to watch when it's like, we're sort of going through the motions, trying the same thing and, yeah, it's not really working or sort of getting us anywhere. Yep. 
Yeah. The, 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 there are one more positive is Ndombele looks like he's really interested to play. He really he's, he's doing some really nice things, but unfortunately he he gets the ball, then he has to pass it to one of our other players who perhaps aren't so good. And Skip, I've been really impressed with Skip this season. So there's some good things there. Romero's great. There is, there is a foundation. I'm more positive now about Tottenham than I was six, seven months ago. I, I think finally we're starting to see something being built but we're, we're nowhere near where we should be. And my concern is Nuno isn't that person to kind of get us there. Uh, and that's that's my concern. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I I feel, uh, I felt very positive after that Man City win. But, you know, I still do you know, carry on some of that positivity. But yeah, at the same time, I don't see how uh, Nuno is the man that's going to make this project into a, into a very successful project, um, especially given, I mean, we've only had X many games so far, but um, we've also seen games with Wolves and before that, you know, watching, I did, I think Nathan did a video on how his possession structures when he was at, uh, was it when he was in Spain? Um, uh, Valencia. Yeah. Valencia. That's right. Um, but yeah, it just, it feels like I can't understand why. Uh, in fact, Mourinho did it as well. It's like swapping, the only sub, like La Celso and uh, Ndombele aren't allowed to be on the same field at the same time. Otherwise, like there's some curse or something. Um, yeah. The universe yeah. will implode if that happens, apparently. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, or when they do, when they are, you know, rarely on the field for a limited amount of time together, just before like the apocalypse begins, um, they they only get given like a very short amount of time and then it doesn't work. And then that's evidence that it won't work. And we, it can't ever be done or it can't be done for another six months until we're a bit stuck on how the midfield's going to work. It's yeah, it's super frustrating, especially when La Celso is winning them uh man of the match performances for Argentina. It does. It does kind of point to, I've always been worried about the balance at, at Tottenham and the, the thought process behind the players that we sign and the fact that this is what this is. Pochettino didn't we didn't really have both of them fit at the same time but then Mourinho Mason and now Nuno there seems to be an unwillingness from three managers to put them both at the same time on the, on the pitch and it, it it does kind of look back at who was making these decisions who was thinking about squad balance and a a style of play and and that is that is a big problem with Tottenham there is, there's been no long-term thinking about who's going to be the manager after Jose you had three months uh, two months well nearly three months actually of um of Spurs being managerless then they went for Nuno and I just hope there is some kind of succession plan in place and I was hoping uh Paratici would give us that and to be fair to him I, I think it's too early I've seen people going after him already it's not really his fault he has reduced the age of the squad he's made some interesting signings and in that way I'm I'm kind of positive on where we can go but yeah the style of play is not what I want to see from us Absolutely. It's, um, to me, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's different to that, that we were seeing under, under Jose. Um, but there is, there are so many similarities that I just find it so baffling that given the amount of, I mean, maybe the club just doesn't care, but given the amount of negativity that surrounded, especially towards the end of Jose's reign, which seemingly seems to happen at the end of all of Jose's reigns, um, (laughs) that, um, we, you know, get a manager that is, you know, very similar, similar in his, his method in the sense that 
you know, it's it's counterattacking. Oh, obviously, as I said, there are differences, but yeah, it seems bizarre. I mean, I have no I have no issue with low block and counter. I think that's a that's a style of football which which works. Style of football which won Leicester the league, and um, I just I have I don't have a plan. I don't have a problem with with a team that has a plan, and if it's low block and counter, then I've said many times that I'd quite happily win the league with thirty eight one nils. I'm I'm all in on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I would happily win the win the league. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not against counterattacking football. I, I find it so aggravating um, when when people make comments like, uh, you know, I just want to see attacking football. I don't care if we lose five four. I mean, we had that four three against Everton last season. That was infuriating to watch. It was. That was. I, that was. Uh, yeah, that was an upsetting match. It, people taking joy out of us playing attacking football but losing. It's, it's it's perhaps it's the Italian in me. It, it's very stereotypical to say, "Oh, Italians they love negative football," but I, I I don't mind winning football, and I will I will take most forms of winning football to 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 win something. You know, I'm I'm 40 years old now, and in my football watching career, I've seen us win two League Cups and an FA Cup, and it's I'd I'd like I'd like to go to my grave with something on my tombstone saying he saw Spurs win the Champions League or he was there when they won the Premier League. That'd be quite nice. I think that was <laughs> that's what felt like the missed opportunity with Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, where it was like, oh, this could be look at least then in our lifetimes we would have seen a Champions League win, um, yeah. which is pretty low chance of that happening again. Um, but that would have been. Like well, you know, any anything can happen, but I think we got to get back into Champions League first, yeah. rather than being yeah, the we third have to go. tier. <laughs> exactly, we need to finish we, to to win the Champions League. We have to finish in the top four somehow. Yeah, it's just going to be more and more difficult. So, yeah, I think like overall, like you know, in um, on this podcast and just in general, like you know, we we like to keep things relatively positive. Like I think even if we do, um, you know, even if we do lose a game or we don't play that well, like it's I think. I don't know. It gets to a stage where you 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 try to just not let it affect your life too much outside of sort of football, um, and I think that that for me has been like sort of a healthy thing to <laughs> to kind of go like, all right, you know, this is more in some ways like a TV show where it's like, oh, cool. Some weeks things are not going to go well. Um, <laughs> other weeks there's going to be a cliffhanger. There's going to be suspense. Um, you know, our protagonist will be injured. Whatever. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, it's. I think when the football becomes really unenjoyable to watch, and I don't think we're there overall yet with sort of Nuno, uh, but I was definitely feeling that at the end of um, Jose's reign, that it was just, you were going into games and you're just like, I don't know, this feels like a chore to watch these games now. And it's like, all right, well, we've got to watch the game because we need to talk about it on the pod, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. this is a fun thing to, to sit down and do. And when we are watching games, like we're often like staying up, you know, for kickoff at, you know, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., these sort of things. So especially if we stay up for a really late kickoff, there's nothing worse than um, that, like, just the team playing playing badly and you get battered or something, and then it's 5 a.m., you're grumpy, and you just wake up the next day and you're like, ugh, well, that wasn't worth it. I'm never doing that again. But then the next weekend rolls around and you're like, uh, hey, Barney, uh, mm. man, you games are 2 th- Well, should we do it? Uh, and you just always get sucked back in. I was going to say that I'm finding... I need to get back to the stadium because of because of life and um, the fixture list and the way it's worked out. I haven't been to the stadium since um, since we lost to Chelsea, and I'm just fi- I'm almost finding it too easy just to just to turn off. Like you say, it's a bad TV show. Well, this episode was rubbish, and then stop watching it and, and move on with something else. So I'm really excited to get back to get back to the stadium 
and just reconnect with with Tottenham. And even if we end up losing, at least I've I've been back to the stadium. I've seen them play. I've seen my friends. I've had a few beers, and and it just reminds me of of the whole kind of routine and going to watch football again. And then I I really do think I need that. I'm, I am finding myself these last few the the results of the Vitesse game and this match that I'm almost distancing myself too much from Tottenham. I need to get back. I need to get back into it. And that was something that was very much during the um, during the lockdown. That perhaps if it hadn't have been for my 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 quest of supporting my manager of just backing Jose <laughs> blindly, perhaps I would have just gone like like everyone else and just just really just turned all shied away from Spurs. But it, it, it was only my building a hill and getting on top of that hill that that really kept me engaged and interested in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely am not as good as. Dan at being able to turn off the bad TV show. And also like uh, for me, when the Jose rain started um, and, you know, hearing you talk about it on, on the podcast, like out of all the Spurs podcast I listened to, you were the one person that was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to stand on this hill alone. Yeah. And it's like, just go along for the ride, no matter what happens. And like, uh, for me, it's just so much more enjoyable. But having said that, like uh, we were up for the West Ham game and I was supposed to be writing. I had a paper due the next day about I'm studying psychology, um, emotional regulation skill and the pre the, the writing done pre the game versus post game. I, I just, it's like two different pre game. It's like emotional regulation is a great skill. And then after it's like, doesn't even matter. Uh, what's the point <laughs> of regulating any emotion? Everything. So <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. Um, I, I felt, uh, on the Vitesse game, like the, the justifiable, uh, factor in that was like, well, the team's rested for the, for the weekend and then losing both, both it was just like, how much trouble do you think, uh, Nuno could possibly, I know there's no one to replace him, but could possibly be in if we were to lose the league cup game to Burnley and then lose, um, uh, El Sakiko on the weekend against Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think what we've seen from Levy is he will he will react once there's a genuine fear or a genuine reality that Champions League football or at least Europa League football isn't available anymore. Um, whilst we stay within kind of touching distance, it's still pretty early. I I think he will he will stick with Nuno because he doesn't have an alternative. But the moment it seems to him that we won't get... I don't know how, if he has like a an abacus or how or how he works this out, the Excel spreadsheet, when he looks at it and goes, the likelihood of finishing top five, top six is now this percentage. I need to I need to act and hope for a new manager bounce. Um, I don't... Losing, losing to Burnley, losing to United won't see us um, fire him, I don't think. I think we'd probably need to lose a few more and then... Leeds on the 21st of November might be if we'd lose that. If we're still on a losing streak by then, I think he's done. I like the idea that Levy has in his office just a giant screen which just shows the percentage that we have of making top four or top, and there's be a second one for top six and then yeah. whatever. I just hope that it's more accurate than the um, all those Oracle stats which we're getting on the coverage now, which is like sort of win percentage. I don't know if you get those on your on your coverage, but when it comes up and it's just like, um, you know, thanks to Oracle, the win percentage for Spurs is this. And then we were 1-0 down against Palace and we were something like 78% likely to win. or so- It was ridiculous. Okay. And you're like, how do you... <laughs> no, we don't get that. Oh. We don't get that, but that'd be interesting to see. Like, um, I, I think maybe they did it before, but 
English football fans, they've got no time for that. They were, your proper Coy's Twitter will go after any kind of stat like that. Well, I don't know how we end up with it. Like, I feel like it's a, you know, an American thing they would be like really up for, but it's so, always so bizarre because it just seems so completely random and it never really seems to make sense. Like we could have three players sent off and it's still like, well, 47% chance to win. So, yeah. Maybe it's um, Palace have a have a history of of throwing away. Well, they, they they do they did it against Arsenal throwing away leads at certain times of games. Yeah, very true. I love the idea of uh, Levy having an abacus in his office, to which he works out. Like I feel like that's that was the breaking point for Pochettino when we started see, seeing mm. Surly Poch when Levy was like, "Let me show you my secret." And Pochettino's like, "We need yeah. to rebuild rebuild the squad." He's like, "No, we don't. Look, like moves yeah. his little beads around." <laughs> Um, yeah. it's comforting to know that there is some well we, we don't know we're now guessing whether or not he has this spreadsheet or because <laughs> I would find it comforting to know that there is some kind of statistics and data going into the decisions being made at the club rather than just um, potluck and hoping for the best well I feel like his background before he was like an accountant right initially um, I, I think so I think so I don't, like, I don't know where I picked that up from or if my brain just went <laughs> accountant that makes sense because um he you know controls money at spares <laughs> fine mm. um but i feel like there's you know it's something where we don't often see the the reasons behind it because i think a lot of the time apart from that kind of you know somewhat contrived video that he did um at the start of the season um which it just felt so scripted um mm-hmm. like but I think it's like I would love to see him speaking more openly and more often, um, which is I think like a lot of fans would just love that from the the chairman of your club. And I think that's why maybe it becomes a bit frustrating when w- w- there's just all these decisions that get made and we don't really get any sort of explanation as to why they are happening or what was behind it so much or what data was actually being used to sort of come up with that. Um, not that we'd be expecting to get every bit of info, but I think just a little bit more insight goes a long way into sort of, you know, giving the fans some sort of rationale as to what's happening. Yeah, the, the problem with the problem with Levy is when he sits down to do these Tottenham-controlled videos, it's, the narrative's only going to go the way that the, he wants it to go and the club wants it to go. What you really need is him to be put in, in front of a, 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 a live studio audience in, in front of the AGM and <laughs> ask any question. Let's see what happens. Put him on Reddit and, and see what see what we can ask him. Because it's even the same. I, the trust do fantastic work and they do brilliant work for Tottenham. But even when you read their minutes of the meetings, Levy will only he will only ever say what pushes the narrative and everything that's been through God knows how many comms people and everything else. Well, it's almost like, is there any point to hear from him sometimes? Because everything is going to be so, to the minute detail, is going to be studied and, and thought about. I mean, he said he wants Spurs to get back to their attacking DNA and then we end up with this. So he would have been just better just to shut up and not say anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't believe I I think it was it was the trust who who said they were in a meeting um, with him and they said it, it was either about the Super League or I can't really remember, but they said this is not what the fans want. Um, and he said, but I'm a Tottenham fan. And it was like, yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. different. Live in a different world. He lives in a different world. Yeah. So that was very interesting with the Super League. Um, again, I think maybe you know, like the distance here. Um, we 
it was something here which I don't think the the traditional news traditional news. I say that like I'm sitting here reading papers every day and going through <laughs> all the traditional news and 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 sort of you know chucking the TV on at six p.m. Uh, which I'm not at all. But it just felt like you know the Super League was such a big thing that was going down, and we were following it again from a distance, and it was just through a lot of like sites and on Twitter and that sort of stuff. But then it's like in people we were speaking to in normal life, it's like. If we said, oh, yeah, it's Super League. Have you heard about that? And they're just like, what are you even talking about? Um, whereas, like, the impression that we got was that, like, it was actually, like, a pretty big, like, cultural sort of talking point um, over there. And I, I don't know if that's right or if that's just purely because we were reading, like, you know, football sites talking about it. It it was a huge thing. And I found myself in a strange position where I was like, okay, if it's going to happen, I'd rather us be in there. And I know perhaps that's not the it's not the bravest stance to take, and it's probably not the most morally correct stance either. But it's if football is going to break away, then I kind of want Tottenham to be in that breakaway group. In the same way, when the Premier League happens, we, you know, we were one of the founding fathers of of the Premier League, and I wanted us to be in that group at the same time. I I don't want these big decisions happening. That could I mean, if we don't, if we have very slim chance of winning the Champions League or winning something now. Imagine the the possibility of winning something if we weren't in if we weren't in that group. It then comes down to what do you what do you want to take from your football club? It could be that Spurs, if they weren't in it and they ended up in a lower division, then you watch Spurs because you love Spurs and you follow them for for that. But I, I really want to see Spurs win something, and unfortunately, that means we have to follow everybody else into the European Super League. And I was okay with that. I don't agree with it, but I'd rather be. I'd rather be in the room than, than not than not in there. Well, I feel like that's the, you know, looking at the Newcastle fans now, like if the Super League was to happen, I mean, I, I what I'm about to say is that Newcastle fans have no control over who owns their club. So you kind of get to play both sides, right? Where you can be like, I don't like that this has happened, but at the same time, I support Newcastle and I want them to win and I can't do anything about I But in the with the Super League, I guess fan action did, result in the fa- it kind of falling apart so yeah I mean I, I I will always err on the side of wanting Spurs to to win and be <laughs> involved in whatever that elite group is um but yeah it really does have uh some questionable morals behind it I think I think one of the differences between the Newcastle takeover and the European Super League is where the interest lay so um a European Super League didn't benefit Sky, uh, which didn't benefit a large portion of the the media outlets here. So they were they were they were concerned about the Premier Football tournament domestically being taken out of their hands and put somewhere else. Whereas Newcastle getting three uh, hundred billion pounds really creates a another superpower within the Premier League, which then opens up a whole new audience thing. So they were treated very differently by Sky and the media as one is they're saving a football club and the other one is they're killing a load of football clubs. So that that's pretty much where the decision where the decisions happen. And Sky has a huge influence on, on the narrative. You, they managed to almost single-handedly create a narrative of Kane wanting to leave. Well, them and Charlie Kane. Between <laughs> Charlie Kane and Sky, they <laughs> they created the, the snake who is our striker now. And that, that does show the power. Maybe Sky yeah. were the ones that got him that motorbike in his office. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but they didn't help with the with Gary Neville playing golf with Kane and getting him to say things and and everything else. 
Sky are able to manipulate what the kind of public feelings because they have so much power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I wonder because here we we get uh, it's streamed through Optus Sport, um, and we get I think it's the like the Premier League coverage with you know the Premier League studio, and so we don't get you know all the pundits on Sky. Um, You're very lucky. You're very lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. So well, I've heard. I, I don't know if we're that lucky. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because what we get is is pretty like. Every Spurs game, it's Tim Sherwood, um, and it's pretty painful. Um, but the the thing is that one of the narratives that sort of we hear over here is that Sky don't like Tottenham and they've got this anti-Tottenham kind of thing to them. But I feel the same way with um, the coverage on the Optus Sport or Premier League side. So is it the fact that the media is against Spurs or are we just all tinfoil hat uh, <laughs> reactive fans? <laughs> It's, I think a lot of it is we we don't make very good pundits. So our, if you look at our selection of pundits, as you've already mentioned, Tim Sherwood, I mean, I don't think he likes Tottenham that much. Uh, Jimmy mm. Janus doesn't seem that keen on Tottenham unless it's going to get him a soundbite, which would then be played for all eternity. Like when Lucas scored, he loved being part of that because now his voice and I don't believe it is part of, of folklore. Um, everybody else I've seen them wheel out Dimitar Berbatov who got in the back of he got in the boot of a car to escape Tottenham Jamie Redknapp <laughs> Jamie Redknapp who we got rid of him and we fired his dad doesn't like Tottenham and who else do we pull out and, and Ledley King who's just so nice he's, he won't be partisan the only one we have is we were chatting about this on the exchange is Michael Dawson and he's proper Tottenham but he doesn't get the big gigs so a lot of the time we have um bad pundits who who don't don't fight back or don't help us either i mean graeme soonest was he started his career at spurs as a as a schoolboy and then he left us so yeah yeah we don't have any any good pundits which which doesn't help us yeah i think as well just even from the coverage when the commentators like the newcastle game um which I know that you, you know, on the extra, you've spoken at length about that and the takeover there. And, and we, we did last week on our, on our show as well, but even just things like, um, you know, it was just very coy coverage on things of like, you know, mentioning like, Oh, the owners do some controversial things. Anyway, let's take a look at this corner and go back yeah. and we're like, and then like we do something and then, um, you know, we just seem to get criticized. Like they're talking about, Oh, Nuno's probably going to get sacked soon or something. Like it's it just seems very kind of, um, it just seems weird. Like sometimes we do get these commentators, which they do seem quite anti-Spurs, but then I do agree with like Barty. It's like, I wonder if we're just so in tuned to get like defensive about any of our, any of these comments. And we're like, well, hang on. No, we can say something bad about our team, but no one mm. else can say anything bad about it either. So yeah, I wonder where yeah, it actually I, falls. I think unfortunately for Tottenham as well is when we, when we were in a title challenge, we were up against the, a, a fairy tale story which which dwarfed us and that didn't help us we were up against Ranieri who's a very likable chap and gets fired everywhere he goes because he's rubbish but he's always got a smile on his face so people liked him and it was Leicester um, who had nearly got relegated the season before so we you had the Tottenham story not won the league since the 60s versus this with everything else with Vardy who was playing non-league football and making sausages maybe six years ago against Tottenham <laughs> we just had no chance and then the season after that it was it was Chelsea and Chelsea are a huge global superpower so the all the attention came off Spurs and came off what this this team were doing under an incredible manager and incredible English young players and all of a sudden it became look Chelsea the global force is back again and 
unfortunately for Tottenham, we've just not been. We weren't at that top table when the when the big money came in, and we just haven't built that enough of a of a fan base to be able to be able to control. And they don't mind pissing off Tottenham fans. They don't mind upsetting Tottenham fans because. We, there's not that many of us, and if we stop watching Sky, it's not like Man United all of a sudden turn off. There's a reason why I think Man United went four or five years with every single one of their FA Cup games being televised because they just have so much sway and so much people watching their games that they don't really want to upset them too much until until now. But now it's kind of funny. Look at Man United, laugh along. Isn't that so wonderful watching the? We watched the game on the weekend as well after the after the Spurs game, and it was so beautiful. Um, not that we're particularly wanting Liverpool to like win again, but mm. just to see Man U getting absolutely carved up, to see like Ronaldo losing it and he should have got sent off, um, yep. and just seeing them completely implode. Because I also, I almost feel like in the bigger picture, so many other fans have taken joy from watching Spurs implode um, in recent yep. sort of seasons. And it's always like, oh, you know, oh, how Spursy, how Spursy, even though our podcast is called a bit Spursy, but whatever. Um, but, you know, like going, really taking joy from that. Like, I think that's kind of what I remember from like my life and all my friends here who don't go for Spurs and they go for these bigger teams. Like they seem to get so much joy from seeing Spurs crumble. And it's like, it, it just feels like you just like, you're the little kid at school. It just get, keeps, gets, like, keeps getting beaten up. Um Mm-hmm. And so I think this was great to finally see one of the bullies get beaten up, um, even if it's by another bully. Um, but yeah, well, Man United. Growing up for me, Man United were always the, the the lesser the lesser evil. So it was either Arsenal winning the league or Man United. So it was always going Man United. Or it's been Chelsea or Man United. So I've been okay with Man United. And it, it's just it's just amazing to see how one team have just destroyed the whole narrative around them. They they could have started the season with Greenwood, uh, Rashford, um, up front, and I think I'm missing somebody else. Anyway, anyway, with Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, they really could have, uh, Sancho, sorry, Sancho. So they could have started the season with a lot of English players um, who had just come off the back of uh, unsuccessful Euros, but they still reached the final. And they could have just had all the momentum with them, but for some reason, someone decided, let's go sign Ronaldo, who, who brings not only footballing problems, but off-the-field problems with him. And they, they messed it up. So now they're losing games. Of course, everybody's happy. But had they kept that English core and gone with it that way, then I don't think they would have been getting the reaction that they're getting now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you mentioned just then that uh, England ultimately lost the final. And I just wonder if you could remind me, Barty, who, who beat them and who won the Euros because I just can't remember uh, <laughs> um, quite who it was. Um, no, but <laughs> on, on the, I feel like Dan, you made a good point about being the, like the little kid with the bullies. It kind of feels like Tottenham is in this like eternal teenage, uh, era where we're not one of the clubs that have just come up or sort of perpetually sit in mid table. And we're not quite at that with, at the adults table with the big boys. And we don't have that stakeholder share and that, that kind of, to me, you know, I think you're totally right, Barty. It's like we don't have the influence in the media, so it doesn't matter if they piss Tottenham fans off. But at the same time, we internalise that and then react when, you know, in our own little way. Like It's like we're screaming into our own hands because we don't have that much of an effect. But, um, yeah, once, you know, if it happens, if we get out of this uh, sort of little teenage bubble that we're in, 
Um, I think, I mean, I want to say that we'll settle down, but also like United fans on Twitter, it's just like, it's, um, it's deranged. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. So yeah, we are also a very touchy fan base. We, we always run to the defense of Harry Kane and if if someone criticizes Harry Kane, he didn't square it to Sterling. We, if you go look at the comments, it's normally our fan base immediately trying to demand. We do we do demand respect sometimes, um, and demand um, yeah an acknowledgement of what we've achieved. It would life would have been so much easier if Pochettino just won a couple of FA Cups. And it, I know it's it's a very it's a very thing, easy thing to say, and it stops us becoming this. This, oh, it's all about trophies. But had Pochettino just won two FA Cups like he should have, everything everything would be different. The whole narrative around Tottenham wouldn't have changed. The pressure on us having to keep doing something. This this weight on our back that we haven't won anything in so long, it would have been gone. And I think Pochettino, he would have been able to survive that, um, that period, that sticky period after the Champions League final. Obviously, had we won the Champions League, he could have managed for 10 years and who would, no one would have cared what he'd done. But, couple of FA Cups in his back pocket, a League Cup here or there, and we'd go, okay, we're going to... Levy would never have fired him. He wouldn't have dreamed of firing our most successful manager in, in 40 years. And it is, it's a huge... Yeah, I, I do think I do think a lot of the problems come down to him putting form in goal against United and playing Sun at left-back. Just don't do those two things and win those FA Cups. and every, Life would be different for all the three of us now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Oh, definitely. We would have like little, like I've got a little mug in the background, which is a Carabao Cup finalist from last season, which is like, we bought that as a joke, but then at the same time, we're like, but hang on, is there someone in the marketing department at Spurs, which is like, Hey, this is pretty stupid. I think we could sell some of these as a joke. So it's like, have we like, are we actually taking the piss out of it or are we just feeding into the machine? We're still buying that sort of rubbish, but it feels so weird to be like, you know, celebrating like making a Carabao cup final as like, you know, this sort of great achievement. And I think like what you're saying that, you know, if we had just gotten over the line on in one of these games, um, Mm. the whole narrative would be completely different. And it's like, we wouldn't be like the loser in the schoolyard who just hasn't won anything yet. Um, We would, we would have sort of, I don't, I don't want to say we would be the coolest kid in school, but I think we would have definitely sort of moved a little bit more towards just like not being a joke to everyone else. Yeah. And also it's winning, winning breeds winning. And if, if Harry Kane had won a, a league cup or an FA cup with Tottenham, then that, that, that's something, that's an experience that the, the whole club get and the fan base gets the backroom staff, the players. And it's, it continued. It's that shift. Um, Liverpool went for a time where they were terrible, but they've just always had that belief in themselves that they're going to win cups and they're going to keep doing it. And if Liverpool get to an FA Cup final, or if, if Liverpool get to a final, they're probably more than likely going to win just because they have this this belief within themselves that I, that's what we do. We win cups. And um, I would, I would. That's what I was hoping. I was ho- the reason why I was so pro Jose is I was hoping that he would instill some of that in Tottenham. And I thought getting us to the Carabao Cup final could have been the first step in in this kind of like being a filthy club that just gets things done. And then once we've broken that and we've won a couple of things, or we've won a League Cup or a League Cup and an FA Cup in two years, goodbye, Jose. Thank you very much for teaching us how to get over the line in these in these ninety minute games. 
and then from there we can we can start doing something beautiful on that on that foundation so on that front yeah. with say where we're sitting with the conference league um, are you in what camp are you in in terms of like are you pro conference league we should be doing everything we can to try and win that given that is probably our most likely thing that we could win this season or are you thinking we should still be prioritizing like you know premier league and trying to finish as high as we can there let's win the conference league let's win it why not let's um let's let's win that uh, i'm not expecting an open top bus parade through through north london for for having won it but it would be a a nice final it would be something nice to put on to put in our trophy cabinet and then from there we move on okay this season year 1 under nuno we've won this year 2 our goal is to perhaps that i think that gets us into the europa league year 2 is let's progress in the europa league and win that and then year 3 if nuno if nuno wins a conference league and then the Europa League, then he's going to get another contract. And then what's the next step? What's the next step? It's small steps. We can't, we're everything in football. Nothing in football is immediate unless you've got Man City kind of money. So it's all about small steps, marginal gains each time. And I, I do think, I do think the Conference League is the first step in that. If you can, if a player like Tanganga, um, Scarlett has been involved, Brian Hill, these guys, if they can come away with, with that winner's trophy, then it, it, it spurs them on and, and sets us up nicely. And then we finally get to shut up the Dulux dog. Yes. <laughs> Who's Never. the Dulux dog? The Dulux dog? Yeah. Do you remember the, the start? Dog. I think it was the start of the season where the Dulux just got announced as like the oh, paint yes. sponsor for the stadium. <laughs> and then the Dulux <laughs> yeah. dog started tweeting on Twitter saying like about how, um, how our like trophy cabinet was covered in dust and like, it just started getting absolutely stuck in within like the next 24 I hours. I remember that. I just bought oh. some Dulux paint as well. I just, ah, oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out the window. I'm not having, I'm not having that. I'm not having that on my wall. <laughs> my favorite thing of that whole saga was the fact that after it happened, Dulux, instead of putting out some like terrible apology, they would, they just responded by going, we don't know what happened. <laughs> what, what, I don't know. It's no. just like, hilarious um dan on the <laughs> on the mug i wonder if it is uh a response to which is you know the genius of levy in his like uh business acumen or whatever in capitalize being able to capitalize on the fact we were in a final versus winning because somewhere um, i mean maybe it's all been burnt now there is spurs champions league winner merch somewhere um yeah and they would have lost a heap of money because obviously you can't sell it um so yeah, that they've gone the finale route. I wish I'd got the mug. I, I wish I'd got a mug. There is a, there's terabytes of files of of um, social media images and montages on on our on our hard drive somewhere of all these semifinals we've lost and that. I, you you could just imagine they would have had that. Yeah, I would love to see that folder of what we had for the Champions League winners. It would have been. I'd quite like to see it. It'd be quite depressing, but I'd quite like to see it. Maybe this is our opportunity. This is this is where we can come up and do some merch um, and just go sort of Trump with it and have like alternate facts. So it's like, well, maybe we did win the Champions League final in uh, 2018. Because um, you're right. They're, they're like there has to be some of this stuff somewhere because, you know, they're going to want to capitalize that on as soon as possible. And, you know, that if we did win, at the, the minute, you know, it, the game finishes, the Spurs shot would have been updated with all this merch available to buy. Um, and you see it a lot in like other sports, like the NBA, like when they have the team, so they win the NBA finals, they instantly give them all a t-shirt and a cap, which is like, you know, finals champion and all that sort of stuff. So 
Yeah, I really wonder if there is sort of this like underground black market for um, <laughs> these like alternate victory memorabilia. I mean, you can imagine if um, if, it, if an Arsenal um, influencer got hold of it, the the numbers he would do on 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 that stuff. God, yeah, a little a warehouse with a big padlock on near near the stadium is full of Tottenham merch of of things we didn't win. God, league <laughs> league winners, everything. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so <laughs> it's so depressing. Um, Dan, can you imagine if we started an alternative history uh, brand of Tottenham merch, and people are like, why why would you do this? This isn't true. And then we said uh, the methodology of the business was, well, oh, we we just went Trump with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that's even worse. <laughs> um, uh, having said that, still don't hate the idea. Um, <laughs> Barty, we're very conscious of your uh, time that uh, you've given us. Um, and the last thing we usually do on the podcast is the A Bit Spursy Medal. And we were hoping that you might uh, be able to cast your votes uh, to contribute to the tally. Basically how it works is uh, three votes to the best, the player that you thought played best, two to the second best, one uh, to the third best. Uh, then you can give out any bonus points you want, um, which is a 0.5 of a point. The and encouragement also, points, yep. yep. The encouragement points, points. yes. Yep. Um, and then you can also give out as many negative ratings as you want to whatever value you'd like, and they don't have to be Spurs players. It can be anything. I think like last week we maybe gave both negative 200 to the state of Saudi Arabia. So you can you can basically <laughs> go free with it. Um, that it's There's no rules uh, to the voting, but we would love love to hear your votes for the uh, for the West Ham game. <laughs> And this is this is all categorized. Are you recording these? There is an actual league table. Yeah. So what we did. So last season, um, we we only did it for the last six games because that's when we thought of the idea. Um, and so we did it week by week. But this season, we've actually made the decision that we're not going to um, keep tabs okay. of them until the end of the season. And then we're going to come back to it and go through not live on a podcast because that would just be. <laughs> an hour and a half of us reading out votes, but we'll go through them then and actually see where we sort of lie. Um, Cause it's kind yeah. of good in that way. Like we're forgetting who we voted for like four or five weeks ago. Um, but these, but buddy, your, your votes here are very important and they could mm -hmm. swing the a bit Spursy medal in someone's favor at the end of the season. Okay. So what was, give me the first, the first three categories are from the performers. It could be anybody, but I can give it to Spurs players from the West Ham match. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the three mm -hmm. points goes to the uh, mm -hmm. the best player, um, two points to the second yep. best, and then one to the third best, and then any 0.5 encouragement points to uh, any other players or staff. Okay, let's go with um, – I'm going to give Romero. I love Romero, and I'm fully on the Romero train, and I'm, I'm hoping that he turns out to be the player that I wanted Sanchez to be. So I'm going to give Romero full point uh, – the full the full marks. And I'm going to give Skippy the, the, second, the second list – and then I'm going to give Endombele, who's who's really starting to pull his socks up and looking like a fantastic player, who unfortunately is just just by himself. Um, encouragements. I'm going to give some to Nuno. Come on, Nuno, you could do a little bit better than that, mate. And I'm going to give encouragement points to um, Cafro as well. I think he's his assistant. He's just had a baby, and um, you know, he had a baby. He's got he's got to look after the baby now, and he's got to look after Spurs players. I'm going to give negative 200 to, um, <laughs> no, I'm going to give negative 207 to Cristiano Ronaldo. He can have that. For, <laughs> for, just for, for kicking a young English boy who was on the, on the floor. That's just, 
yeah, come on. How did he knock a cent off for that? And I'm going to give minus minus 10 to, to Harry Kane just for mm-hmm. continuing to be a snake and missing that header. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also not putting in for that, um, for the clearance when they scored. Exactly. No, he didn't. He didn't, as Coy's Twitter would say, he didn't want it enough. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all down. You win games just by wanting it more than the other one. It's incredible. I would love it if there was a punditry show just based on that and they're just arguing, like, did they want it more? No, I don't think they didn't want it. And that's all that the metric. And there was some metric that they come up with, which is a stat which can shows, well, they actually had a wanted it of 5.2. So that's why they won the game. You, you just got in a four-two-three-one formation. You just got to want it more, and <laughs> and next to wanting it more, it's very closely. It's moving. You got to move. Yeah. It's got to be movement. <laughs> you got to move across the pitch. These are all the the things that I uh, that I do miss. Not going to the stadium. Just people, random people shouting, "Want it? Move it!" Because because football is that simple. I, the reason why I never made it as a professional is because I didn't want it enough, really. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I don't want to blow uh, both your minds, but. Um, there's actually a book about the wanted more philosophy. It's called The Secret, if you haven't heard of that. Um, <laughs> okay. And f- football uh, is a game of the secret, just uh, thinking of wanting something and it just happens automatically. So um, a- every manager, I'm sure, has read it. Uh, it's yeah, pervasive throughout the throughout the world yeah. of football. I would it's- love it if there was like some youth academy which just gave all the players a copy of The Secret to read. <laughs> And that was like their big sort of move. Like maybe, you know, a a few years ago, Southampton were producing a lot of really good young players and maybe Mm. they just had everyone reading The Secret and having like a little book club um, each week. (laughs) I I remember during during one of the World Cups because my dad dad is a huge football fan, but he, the only, the only, the only football team we have in common is Italy. And I remember repeating like, you got to sit here for this game and sit here. And he just went to me, do you realise how many millions and millions of people around the world are doing the exact same thing, thinking that's going to have an influence and everybody else is going to, is it, is doing the same thing to and fro. There's, there's no such thing as a jinx. There's, I know Ricky from the final court is firmly believes in that. And he gets upset when I, when I say things before we play a team, but yeah, wanting it more and jinxing things, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. There's, there's bad football teams and good football teams. And there's things, variables that happen on a day, which change it. But, Fundamentally, if you've got a good manager and good players, but you'll win more games than you lose. No, I mean, that's my that's my pop psychology part. You're probably gonna you're probably gonna bury me now, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely crazy. Um, all right, so, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's so fascinating how how pervasive um, you know those kind of ideas are, and it, like even for me, I'm four years into a psychology degree. And if I'm wearing like whatever I'm wearing during a Spurs loss, I'm like, can't wear that next week. It's like, yeah. I know that that, <laughs> I know that yeah. that has no effect. Like, what am I talking about? That's um, what we need to add to our punditry show as well, where they're like going through after the game, like, well, actually we did lose because Barney didn't wear his lucky top this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we've just had the report come through and that's why we lost the game. Yeah. That'd be great. That <laughs> would be, be great. Do- a little Twitter poll. Did you do what you did last time they won and just see <laughs> yeah. how, it, how it works? There we go. And you got yeah. Nuno pointing to it. See, it wasn't me. It wasn't like just I have, I have three ideas. Yeah. Because yeah. like, when we lost to Arsenal, I was wearing my extra inch uh, long sleeve top. And I was like, the last time we'd lost to Arsenal, my dad was here and we watched the game together and I was wearing this. So I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to change out this top. 
But now because I've thought about it, I've premeditated it, I've created it, and the, the forces are aware that I've made this change to get this result. Is that going to affect things? And I did it anyway and we lost. So, yeah, it's because I knew what I was doing. If I had just changed, if I'd spilt baked beans down my top and just changed it normally, it would have been all right. Oh, totally. I, I have the, sometimes I'll be like, okay, so I wore my um, Hoybier shirt last time and we lost, but I'm going to resist that negative energy and wear it again. And then, and then we win and I'm like, oh, it's cleansed now. Like, what? What? <laughs> It's just yeah. mad. I yeah. just love how like we all just think that we're like, you know, the center of the universe. And I think <laughs> maybe as well, just like us being at such a distance in Australia, it's like, hmm, how can we impact the game? We can't go there and cheer for the <laughs> cheer for the team. So hmm, what about this thing? I'll wear these socks. That will surely, you know, change the result. But I think in some I'm ways very... I'm like, it's a nice element that people have that they think that that kind of, you know, that they think that that is going to affect something, but it's also completely deranged at the same time. And the mad thing that um, this used to happen to my mum all the time. She would come into the room and someone would score. And my dad was like, see that you did that. Or <laughs> like now my, my wife would come in and as she asked me a question, something bad happens. And the truth is I'm watching it probably on like a, a it's, it's, I'm on a two minute delay from what the live coverage is on Sky and live coverage on Sky is probably on another 45 second, one minute delay on what's actually happened in real life. So my wife walking into a game it doesn't matter. What's happened has already happened. We're getting into like levels of inception now. <laughs> uh, but Barty, her thinking about walking into the room <laughs> is what triggered the bad thing to happen because the forces know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or she what a... sensed that it already happened and <laughs> yeah. came to see me because her, her instincts to look after me were like, I need to be there for this moment. Yeah. Crazy yeah. football. Yeah. Um, I've got to say when we, we started uh, – this episode, I didn't think we'd end up here, but here we are. Um, so, <laughs> so happens with me. I apologise. <laughs> we, we have willingly followed you down the garden path, buddy. Yes, I do. That's yeah. the best thing. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. This has been a great, great, great break in my in my working day to chat with you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, we loved having you. As as we said, we're huge fans of the extra inch. Um, I think we're both ex subs. Um, is there anything that you want? I know Barty's book club is something that's happening uh, on the Patreon. Mm. Is there anything that you want to uh, plug before you go? Um, go check out for for people that aren't patrons. Go check out um, when, uh, Nathan's video on on Reddit. I think you've, I can't remember what it's called, but if you if you just have a look, it, it it's there. And otherwise, no. Um, I'm I'm reading uh, uh, the Limpid Physio by John Sheridan, which is a a book is go and buy that book. It's it's not too expensive, and it's a really interesting insight into um, into physiotherapy and working at Spurs during during the mad time of the late eighties, early nineties. If you think things are funny now, you should have seen Spurs back then. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we really well. I mean, I've had a great time as well. Um, and as I said at the start, and I said in my email to Wendy, my podcast to Barty. We were both on that hill together. You just didn't know. (laughs) I felt your presence. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) Okay, Dan, do you have any... Okay, sorry, what do we do? Yeah, our bit Spursy votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have votes? I'll go for... Did you go first last? I can't remember. I think, okay, okay. 
Barney, here's confession time. So yep. uh, priest Barney, I'm stepping into the booth with you. Well, not with yep. you, next, next to you in the... Uh, uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's not go there. Yeah. Okay. So um, sometimes I kind of forget what happens in games. Mm-hmm, so whenever mm-hmm. I ask you to vote first, it's usually to mm. remind me of the key points <laughs> that players did in games because yep. you'll give the rationale of like, well, I'm giving votes to Hoybier because there was, of course, that, you know, saving tackle mm-hmm. that he gave in the th- sort of 75th minute and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then the assist and he got, and then I'm just clocking like, oh, yeah, no, they're good votes. Um, and then sometimes <laughs> jump on that bandwagon. I think in this game um, I can I can go first, but I think to me, because the game just felt like this big sort of fog, mm. it's like I'm really struggling to like really work out, um, you know, who should who really sort of deserves votes because I think we didn't play overly badly, but we just didn't play overly well. And like it was just – it was a bit of a sort of um, – it, it's a game that felt like there should have been more events than there were. Um, yeah. So, look, I think I'll give some votes. I'll give some votes. Um you sure? I mean, I feel like this might be why you walk away from games and are able to be like, well, that was a bad game and now move on with my life. Whether mine are just ingrained, played over and over. I'm just ruminating on them. So it, ultimately, you've actually got the healthier practice. I was going to say, I like it's like you're um, in Gareth Bale's announcement video. It's like you were sitting in a dark room with a projector just watching these moments in the game, just brooding over and over again and falling further yep. down this just like dark rabbit hole, um, playing through all the bad things that, that happened in it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go? I'll, I can go. I can go. Okay. okay. I'll, ha- I'll have a crack. I'll have a crack. All right. Here we go. Doing it. Um, so, okay. I'm going to give three votes to, um, I think I'm going to give it to Skip um, because, uh, yeah, I think that he's becoming like a really crucial part of our team. And, and our setup. And even if the rest of the midfield around skip, like there's still some question marks there as to like what exactly is our best sort of formation and, um, and sort of way to play and, you know, how we're actually progressing the ball and attacking, you know, fluidly. Um, I think that he's, he's actually shored up the defense a lot more than the defenders have behind him. Um, and so I think just his presence in there, I'm really sort of enjoying I'm really enjoying Skip at the moment. Um, I think as well, him being a young player, there's a chance that he could kind of, you know, drop off and and everything. So there's a might be a part of me which is kind of giving out some like, you know, extra votes now to try and get some in. So so he's in contention. But um, I think I give three to him. Um, I would give two to I think Romero. I think is a good call. Like what Barty said with his three, you know, for him. I think Romero is. I love the grit that he's kind of bringing. And I loved when I think it was Fornells that he, um, he, he slid in, got the, ta- like he won the ball. Oh, no, he, he didn't win the ball, but he got ball. And then I'm pretty sure it was Fornells who just went down. And then Romero went over to him and gave him a little bit of attitude. Um, mm. And then Fornells gets up and sort of pushes him um, and that sort of stuff. Like, I think that we've lacked that sort of player who can kind of get stuck in, even if it is a bit reckless, we've lacked that for a while. And I really love the idea of having a center back who, um, who does that, um, and you know having someone more composed next to him is a, is a really great partnership. So um, two for him. Um, right. One. So this is where I really struggle with like the one because, um, yeah, it just feels like overall the the rest of the team to me is just sort of blurs into one. And I think maybe I might just give it to Reggie, but I think that. 
I don't know if he did anything particularly well, but like I, I just vaguely recall that he still had a few moments where I think we're seeing just a better Reggie, Reggie on than um, we saw at the start of the season. And obviously he didn't play as well as he did last week, but um, I'm going to give one point to him. Um, I think as well, like I would love to just give like um, negative a thousand votes to Ronaldo. Like the, the, <laughs> the incident body spoke about was absolutely like disgusting. And I hate this whole aura of Ronaldo so much and how like I love it. Um, and he's just like this untouchable presence when he's not a good person off the field and on the field, he's not a good person either. <laughs> um, he's just this toxic, toxic man. And it's because he's like, you know, such a great footballer. It's like, you just get all these excuses made for him and he just gets such special treatment. Um, so that really kind of like angered me. Like I was almost jumping out of my chair in excitement at the prospect of him being sent off. Um, but I despise him so much. So negative uh, thousand there. And I'm going to give like negative three to Kane um, because like he, I, I kind of have him at fault for the goal. Like you could say that, um, you know, you could go back and look at it and like, okay, what led up to giving giving it away and get, them getting in that position, all that sort of stuff. But I really think that when you see the replay, it it's one of those ones which looks worse every single time that you see it. Because it's just, it's just like, you know, Kane, when he's playing well and he's up for it, he's one who's in there. He's clearing headers out of the box defensively. He's he's He always is the one that pops up in those sort of situations. And for him to just stand still, not even like make a movement to try and, um, to try and like, you know, clear that away. It was like, it was really like, that's kind of amateur level defending. Like that's how I would defend because I can't move and I would, I'm just too tired. But like someone like him, like that was such a poor mistake. And, you know, you could really lost us the game in a sense, because if, if they hadn't have scored, then there's every chance we could have nicked one somehow. Um, so I, I think negative, negative three for Kane. Great. Yep. I think those are all great votes. Um, I, okay, here we go. I'm going to give uh, three votes. Uh, I, and I decided this, I'm annoyed that Barty said, Romero because during the game I was like Romero's getting the three so Romero gets three votes from me because I again like you said like uh we've missed that grit and I love that he went over and um spoke to Finales because uh what I thought at that moment was oh great Finales is reacting which means that he's going to get a card which could be good for us but instead I, the ref I who knows why Romero got a card I don't know anyway um he you know I'm impressed with him every time he plays um at one point he made just the most crazy run uh towards goal in this counter attack and yes he should have played it to Son not Kane um who was in way more space um but Aside from that, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I was um, going to say on that point. I think why I didn't give him the three was because there were a few times where he did get turned. I think by Antonio, um, uh, yeah. and he kind of got bumped off the ball a little bit. And but at the same time, it's like I guess we praise him because he does go all out, and sometimes that's going to happen. But I think it's maybe just like those situations. I think if you have a more clinical finisher than Antonio, like they could actually. Um, come back to bite you a little bit, but um, I definitely agree overall. Like the three votes is a, it's good for um, good for Mary. Like he's, he's really becoming a really, a really like vital part of this team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to give two to skip because I'm still on my um, forgiveness tour um, <laughs> against him. I, again, I think you're right. Like 
he um, uh, really adds something to our team that we certainly didn't have last year. Um, there's a real solidity to him. He's like uh, Harry Winks, but um, I don't know if you've seen when uh, in, I think it's uh, Batman and Robin when Poison Ivy creates Bane and she injects him with plant stuff and he gets really big, like really swole. Um, he's like that version of Harry Winks where it's like the 2.0 improved version um, who can do all the things that Harry Winks does, but can also defend and play the ball forward. Um, I'm going to give uh, one uh, vote to Pierre because one of the things that was happening in the second half was Skip and Pierre were doing their job of winning the ball back really quickly and then giving it. So we were sort of keeping them as much as they were themselves sitting in their own box. We were also making an effort to keep them there and try and stop counters. And the issue then wasn't that uh, him or Skip were um, not breaking through the lines. They were giving it to the players that that should be doing that and everyone was just static. Um, Encouragement. Uh, vote. I'm going to give one to Harry Winks um, because I felt really sad about his press conference and <laughs> felt really uh, guilty about everything I've said about him because it was really human. Um, and you've, you know, as much as we talk about remembering that they're, um, they're they are people too. Like, uh, uh, you know, we also forget that. And so I, <laughs> I want to give him an encouragement award because I hope. As much as I, I think he needs to leave Tottenham Hotspur, um, and I hope he does, I hope wherever he goes next, it is a better experience for him. Um, uh, negative votes, um, I'm going to give uh, negative, um, what's, a good, what's a good number? Two. I'm going to give negative 2,000 to um, Cristiano Ronaldo for the two times that he uh, lashed out and kicked a 19-year-old boy on the ground. Like, I, I, I he, find him... He got him, ball, Barney. He got ball. He got ball, got ball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember saying, saying to you at the time, I was like, the reason why they haven't sent him off is because it got ball, even though it's like, well, he's not winning. What is he doing there? There's no, there's no um, point to what he is doing apart from to hurt a boy, a 19-year-old boy. Like, I have always felt when he was at Madrid or even, you know, not United before that, I found him revolting. And uh, on the pitch, because he's so good, you're right, he gets, he sort of gets away with it. But the the one thing for me that, even though he didn't get sent off, which I wish he had, it illustrated on the pitch, maybe for, you know, it only happens rarely is that this guy's not a good dude. Um. Um, and then negative, I'm going to give negative, uh, I'm going to split the difference between you and Barty. I'm going to, I'm going to go negative six to Kane because that was just the limpest piece of defending I've ever seen. Um, like he really doesn't, he just lets him go. Um, and like, even if Antonio still scores, but you see Kane put his leg out or try and contest it, like that, that's something, like, even if he, um, wrestles Antonio to the ground and they get a penalty. That's something like he's putting in effort. He's in, he's not ha- in great form. He, he's trying too hard, whatever. That's something versus just like, I've never seen Harry Kane do that before. And um, I think as much as people go on about Ronaldo creating a problem at United um, by being Ronaldo, because you can't take him off and stuff. I feel like Kane 
is that same problem for Nuno because Kane's profile is bigger than Nuno's. And for, for Nuno to drop Kane, that's, you know, that's a big deal, but he like, I'd drop him <laughs> after that. Like I'd drop him straight away. Yeah, um, I think that that is a good point. Like, it's like, do we have a Harry Kane problem? Um, yeah. Which a lot of people said, do you, you know, we play better without Kane and all, and this is not getting really into that debate right now, but it's like, yeah, do we actually have a Harry Kane problem that, that, you know, is he, we always want to say, you know, no one is bigger than the club, but sort of in the footballing world, is Harry Kane like bigger than the club in the sense, like what you're saying, like he's bigger than the managers we're having. Um, he's sort of, you know, a bigger profile than the rest of the players. Like uh, you could like argue like Son, you know, globally has a huge profile. Yeah. But I think Son's always, you know, Son's considered to be a superstar of the game, but you're never hearing people talk about Son being like the best forward, the best winger in the world or any of those sort of things. Um, so it's like, yeah, do we have, um, do we have a Harry Kane problem? Mm, yeah. Well, we've got two more games to figure out whether we do or not. I doubt he plays against Burnley, but he'll, he'll play in El Sacico um, on the weekend. Um, to I was which, just going to, uh, I was sorry. I was just going to add as well before you just quickly touch on El Sacico. I need to give a minus one to, um, to Son. Um, oh, no, because I was like, look, if Harry Kane gets minus a collective minus or 19 or something from us here <laughs> for that, I'm like, Son, when he missed that chance that he kind of like scuffed it. Um, mm. And I think it was Ndombele who played him through. Um, yep. And it's like, oh, Sonny, I, you know, you score so much for us, but you have to take those chances. So um, sorry, to, sorry to, to jump back to that, but I, it was just sitting on my conscience that it's like I have to give a minus one. Um to Son. I also like how we're just very free with the minus votes. Like we're giving out any number possible, but yet somehow in our world we've created here, the maximum you can give for a game is still three. Yeah. It's wild. Like the winner of the medal could be in negatives. Like that, that is, yeah, absolutely absurd. But you know, it's, it's reflective of how uh, negative experiences, Dan, are much more salient uh, to our, um, memory than positive ones. So, um, that's, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> um, but yes, out. we'll be, <laughs> yeah, great. Um, we will be back, uh, next week after El Sacico, um, uh, to chat about it and the Burnley game. Hopefully we win one of those games, um, at least hopefully both. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on, Dan, before What would we... you prefer to win? Would you prefer to progress in the cup or to beat Man U? Beat Man U. I think I'm the same. Beat Man U. Yeah. Like if we had to win one, even though, because I, I just have the feeling that even if we progress in the cup, we're not going to win it. Um, no. So it's like I get so much joy when we beat Man U, so I would definitely take beat Man U. And that really would put Ole in a really sort of tough predicament um, there. I think if Man U beat us, I don't think Nuno gets sacked. Um, no, I really don't think that, like, I think that would be way too early, but I think if we, if we win by a couple of goals, if we somehow can do that, um, then yeah, I think that could be goodbye to Ole. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah, we'll be back to summarize that game and perhaps, uh, mourn the loss of, uh, Ole from the premier league. Um, after having been sacked, after he gets destroyed by Tottenham, um, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen. But um, Barney, yeah, you're jinxing you ver- it. You're jinxing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I thought it anyway, so you know, there's no point. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for 
Barty for coming on. If you don't listen to the extra inch, which if you listen to this podcast, I'm a hundred percent sure you probably already do. Um, please go and listen to it because it's fantastic. Um, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And uh, come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.